0: I'm your Village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Today I'm talking about instilling confidence in kids. I got a question from a mom about this subject as it relates to praise. So I'll be covering this piece of self esteem. Also, I just happened to get a great email from my son's head swim coach yesterday that really touched me. It's related to confidence and building confidence. Well, actually, it's really about how not to destroy confidence as it relates to sports. But while it's about sports, it could relate to any area of life where kids are expected to perform at a certain level and how we handle it when they fall short of our expectations. So it's a great piece, and I'm going to read that, and I'm going to share that along with adding my own thoughts and commentary about why I liked it, why it touched me, and how it pertains to not just sports, but many other areas of parenting. Now, the first question about working on instilling confidence comes from Stephanie, who wrote, Hi, Erin. I began listening to your podcast from the beginning a few weeks ago, and I have learned so much. I listen to at least one episode a day and can relate to a lot of your discussions, so thank you. You make me feel prepared and ready for the future. I have two separate questions for you. With regards to building self-confidence in childcare and not overpraising, how do you recommend you transition to drawing back on this without giving a cold response? My stepdaughter will clean her room and then come to us asking if we are proud and seeking praise. I will now reply, well, do you feel proud of the job you did? But I find she is still looking for something and then feels disappointed when I don't overpraise for something she is responsible for doing anyway. Now, I love how Stephanie says that she doesn't wanna overpraise for something that the child is responsible for doing anyway because this is so true. Now, at four, if a child cleans up their entire room on their own accord and does a fantastic job, gush away. Wow, you cleaned your whole room by yourself. You are so organized. But in Stephanie's case, her stepdaughter is nine. Now, we can still expect to remind a child at nine to clean their room. Most kids won't clean their rooms on their own at that age. But when we do remind, we expect they will, for the most part, go on their own and clean the room without any pushback or without much pushback and do a decent job. Not perfect, but decent. So it's important to give positive feedback for all the positives that we see cleaning it right away without pushing back, if she cleans it without being reminded all on her own, that's a great thing to give positive feedback for. If she does an exceptional job of cleaning it, all the books put away, no clothes on the floor, all the trash thrown away, everything on the desk, on the dresser, in the closet is really well organized, that deserves some extra attention. If you rate the job a nine or 10 out of 10, that deserves some extra attention then definitely some positive feedback is in order for any or all of these pieces. Thank you for cleaning your room without me needing to even ask you. That was very responsible. Or thank you for cleaning your room right away the first time I asked. That was very helpful. Or your room looks very clean without any reminders about what needs done. This is very helpful. Thank you. So here's the tricky part. First, I want to remind everyone or for anyone who hasn't heard me say this before, Research shows that on average, a girl's self-esteem peaks at age nine. Nine. That's not good. And it's not okay. There are a lot of factors and reasons for this, but it's just really good to keep in mind as a parent and know that these next several years, up through 13 and 14, are really key in helping our daughters keep and continue to develop solid internal self-esteem and self-worth. What happens with praising is that it's external. It's doing for the other. They're doing it for approval rather than out of a sense of internal motivation for the sense of self of getting something accomplished. So in this case, Stephanie's stepdaughter is looking to her for her approval. So how do we go about helping our daughters build an internal sense of self-worth? and our sons as well. How do we support them when they're looking for approval without falling into that setup of approval seeking, especially in cases like Stephanie is sharing, where cleaning your room and doing a good job of it is expected. First, using the types of interactions I just shared, positively reinforcing the behavior she did well, doing it right away, doing it without being asked, doing a particularly thorough job, but do it without giving a great job or I'm so proud of you or that's so amazing you're the best it is okay to praise with a great job or I'm so proud of you when it's really something above and beyond we save it for those times because first of all it's true in those instances we are really proud it was a great job but also because otherwise it also loses its meaning after a while. You ate all your vegetables. I'm so proud. You got all your homework questions complete. I'm so proud. You got yourself dressed. Great job, right? It just sounds like all right already. It's too much. Now, by the way, I love Stephanie's response of, do you feel proud of the job that you did? This is the perfect response, but then you can work on her struggle for searching for more in other ways. Why is she searching for more? And I'm gonna cover that now. So I would say in this type of instance where she still seems to be looking for something, think about and answer this on your own first, and then also have a talk with her. What is she missing that she's looking for? How is her self-esteem overall? Now remember that self-esteem comes from two places, a feeling of belonging, of being needed, and a feeling of accomplishment. She could be missing both of these, or maybe it's just one area. But think about it and see where and how you can help her achieve these two feelings. Does she want to feel needed, loved, and welcomed in your home, especially with another sibling in the house now? Now, Stephanie shared that she and her husband now have an 18-month-old together, so her stepdaughter's half-sibling is now in the picture as well. It sounds like she's feeling needed and wanted and a part of this family based on what Stephanie shared with me. But with step families that can take some extra reassurance. So just think about that a little bit and see if there's something she might be looking for. That feeling of belonging and feeling needed and wanted that maybe she's not feeling uh, fully 100% in that area. Or is it a sense of accomplishment that she's looking for some approval about? How does she do in school and how does she feel about her academic performance? Does she have any activities or hobbies that she enjoys and has mastered to any degree? This sense of accomplishment piece is extremely important for self-worth and self-esteem as well. If she doesn't have this piece, talk with your husband and then with her about something she's interested in taking on. And hopefully that is a possibility with the two separate households of how you're gonna get her to an activity and back and who's gonna take care of it on which days. But that's a really important piece for kids. They need to have something extra outside of schoolwork and things that they can work on and accomplish and see an improvement. I don't care if it's art or it's music or it's a sports activity, or if it's volunteering for something that she feels particularly strongly about. There's just so many opportunities for kids out there today to get involved and feel needed and improve and learn. But then, Have a coaching session with her. Let her know the reasons you love and appreciate her and the times or reasons you are proud of her, the things she does extremely well, or the times and places she goes above and beyond. But let her know that cleaning her room is something expected. And while it does make you happy when she does it well or without being asked or does it right away after being asked once, that it's just not something deserving of high praise. So this way, you're setting an expectation for her around the cleaning her room, but also supporting her need in that moment to feel appreciated when you're appreciating her for other things that she does extremely well. Now, I've seen these memes go around that say something like, a parent's job is to fill a child's bucket so full, meaning self-esteem, that no one can poke holes big enough to drain it. Now, I don't agree with this. parent's job is to provide opportunity for a child to learn how to fill their own bucket it needs to eventually be a self-filling bucket so that's what we're working on throughout these early years giving kids opportunities to feel needed wanted and accomplished so that as they get into adolescence and definitely by adulthood they can fill their own bucket and also know when someone they spend time with is poking holes in their bucket or is supporting them in their accomplishments and goals. They can tell the difference, they can cut out the people that are not worth their time, that are trying to poke holes in their buckets, and they can spend time with people who appreciate and support them in their dreams and goals and accomplishments. And there are two classes on self-esteem on the website. These are an hour-long each one for parents of kids zero to five and one for parents of kids five and over at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. They both cover all the ways to support your child in building a solid foundation of self-esteem. I cover how to encourage rather than praise with lots of examples and all the ways to help children feel needed and wanted and encourage helpfulness and being a contributing family member. Also, lots of ways to provide these opportunities all the way through childhood from toddlerhood all the way up through adolescence for accomplishment that is such an important piece to self-esteem and of course some common traps parents tend to fall into where they think they're helping build self-esteem but they're actually working against it they're undermining it now next i'm going to share the email my son's head swim coach sent out this week along with my commentary on why it touched me so deeply and how it relates to all areas of a child's life in terms of accomplishment. Right after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Now that we're back after a word from our sponsor, Eli and Ally Baby, I'm going to share this very heartfelt message from my son's swim coach, whose name is Chris. Now let me tell you about Chris. Chris is a big teddy bear of a guy. He mostly works with the very elite swimmers on our team. These are mostly teens, 15 and 16 plus, but it's the kids who perform at a very high level. Now this man has so much heart and he loves each and every one of these kids. He pushes the kids hard, but he's a gentle giant, and you know he loves these kids and the sport of swimming. When I emailed him that Carter wanted to come back to the team and asked if he remembered us and what the protocol is to get us back on the team, he totally remembered us. He was so elated and excited and grateful that Carter was coming back, even though he'd never actually worked with Carter directly. So Chris was actually sharing an article that he found and wanted to send on to the team parents, but first he describes his experience as a young swimmer. Chris shared that kids are leaving youth sports at alarming rates and attributes much of it to the parent interaction and pressure, even more so than from athlete burnout. He shared first about his experience with his own parents as a young athlete, that his father only made appearances at the big meets and generally just sat back and watched the races and would only respond with constructive criticism through the use of humor, which he says his dad was very good about doing and in a way that did not mess with Chris's psyche. Then he shares that his mother was at every meet. Now here I'm gonna quote Chris because as I can't describe it as well as he does, he says, my mother was at every meet. I mean, every meet. However, as it relates to club meets, she was usually heading up the snack bar. Now the club meets are the smaller meets, they're less competition, they're just really for fun to get practice at swimming and doing meets and doing these events and learning about yourself and how you're going to swim each event differently. Swimming a 200 freestyle is way different than swimming a 50 meter freestyle, so they're really just for fun and about learning. So when it came to the club meets, she was usually heading up the snack bar, doing her best to raise funds to keep the club financially healthy as she knew this was a sport I loved and did anything possible for the club to keep it around and me in it. Then she would catch my race somehow. I can always remember looking around to see if my mother saw the race. I did this typically right after I looked at the scoreboard. Sometimes I'd find her and others I would not, but she would get in the car ride home and I'd ask, did you see my races? She would always say yes. Till this day, I am convinced she hid mostly in the event if I had a bad race. Then he says, as a coach, the experience is much more compelling. I now look in the eyes of inspiring athletes after races that they might not have performed at top level. Some kids are drawn to tears, and it is these kids that stick out in my mind. Eventually, in our conversations about the race, they are drawn to make a statement. I am afraid of what my parents are going to say or do to me in the car. Or when I get home, I saw them. They stormed off the deck. They're mad. At this point, there is nothing more I can do as a coach in the moment with that athlete. My teachable opportunity is lost as their mind is no longer with me. They are in fear. So the focus shifts to educating parents. So I'm going to share this article, this blog from The Coaching Wisdom by Coach T., in just a moment. But obviously, this really touched me as a parent. I've I've seen this in parents in a lot of different sports, but parents can also push kids in other areas, whether it's performance at school, performance in other um, alternate activities, music, dance, what have you. Um, and it's really important that, especially in sports, that we don't undermine the job of the coach. And if we're getting so angry with our kids, and we're walking off the deck, or we're Or when they don't, they miss a a pitch or whatever in whatever sport that they play or they miss the goal or um, they they miss the defense. They don't get the ball back from the offensive team and it was something they should have been able to do or something they're really good at. They're going to be really hard on themselves just to begin with. So we really don't need to be so hard on them. But when we get so hard on them, we take all of that away. We take away their ability to self-assess and move forward, and we take away the ability of the coach to do their job and work with the child in helping them assess themselves and do better the next time, and accept that we're all gonna make mistakes, we're all gonna fail in something, at some point, at some time. It is a part of putting ourselves out there, of putting ourselves on the line. We do that time and time again, we're gonna fail sometimes, and it's okay to fail. And we need to be able to take that and learn from it and move on. And we don't want to take that from our kids or from the coaches to help them work on that. So this article from Coach T says, what is it about the car ride home that drives so many athletes from the game they love? Well-meaning parents are failing to recognize the time after a game or a practice or a meet is critical for their child. Kids are physically and emotionally exhausted, yet parents choose to make the car ride home a teachable moment by commenting on the coach's decision or their child's performance or lack thereof. So that was from Coach T. That's his commentary on the ride home. Now he has some questions to ask your child on the ride home to improve it. Here are questions that parents can ask that will encourage healthy dialogue between them and their child after a game or a meet or a practice that will allow the child to feel he or she is still in control of their performance and of their sport. And in this case, it could be of their own academic performance or other activities that they participated. Did you do your best? This question encourages work ethic and integrity. Just like I was talking about earlier, we wanna build internal motivation. We want to encourage our kids to keep going back and trying, even if they didn't live up to their expectation, even if they quote unquote failed. I hate that term failed. Everyone fails, everyone. They're not gonna live up to their performance. They're not gonna live up to their best. They're not gonna get a PR every time. They're gonna miss a goal. They're gonna miss an opportunity. It's going to happen. We will all fail at everything we try. You stick your neck out, you're gonna fail. Your child's gonna fail. But we want to learn and we want to try something different the next time. We want to focus on the effort, not the outcome. We want to focus on our child's effort and help them focus on their effort, not the outcome. We want to focus on the studying, not the A or the B or the D. How much did you study? Were you focused when you studied? Was there a distraction in the background? What would you do differently next time? Okay, let's try that. Let me know how I can help you. Maybe it's helping them break down a study schedule on the calendar. This can apply to so many different areas of life. Any goal that they set, were you a good person out there? This is the next question from Coach T. Were you a good person out there? This question reminds the child of sportsmanship and helps him or her to reflect on their behavior. Now this really relates to sports more than other activities, but if it were a science fair or academic decathlon or something of this ilk, then it can also relate to that. Were you a gracious competitor? Did you encourage the other participants? Did you congratulate those other ones who won, even if they got a higher place than you? Always congratulate. The next question, what did you learn? You want to ask your child, what did you learn? This question looks for self-reflection. It encourages further dialogue. It relates back to the first question of did you do your best? When you do your best and you still come up short, there's a lot that can be learned from that. It's a huge opportunity. This is an opportunity to assess many aspects of one's habits leading up to a performance, whether it's a big assignment, a test, a sports competition, a music recital, or any number of other things. This is the chance to teach your child how to self-reflect, to learn where their holes are, their weaknesses are, and address them for the next time. The next question from Coach T, did you have fun or was it enjoyable? Now, depending on the age of the child and the level of their competition and of their development in their athletic psychology, this may change, but we think of fun. It's not the type of fun you might experience that's just sheer fun of like an amusement park or a birthday party, but there is a really deep level of enjoyment that you can get from accomplishing a goal that you've worked so hard on or in helping others to achieve a common goal. The key to asking these questions, whether it's after a game or a practice, is to remember we don't wanna drill our child. We're not looking for a particular answer from them. We don't wanna drill them until we get what we're looking for. We want to work with them where they are, which leads me right into these next questions. He says there's three keys to having a successful car ride home. Now, of course, these may not be in the car ride if it's a, a test that they come home and show it to you. This may be a conversation at the kitchen table, but you get the idea. First, he says, let the child drive the conversation. Even in asking the questions, let the child lead. I love this advice because sometimes we parents try really hard to force our view, our perspective onto our children. Just like I was saying, we're drilling to try to get a particular answer we want to hear them say. We can't do that. We can't expect them to glean much, if anything, from us giving them leading questions and trying to get them down a certain path learning and growth are going to come through their own self-reflection and assessment, not from ours. If we let them lead, we may find a moment that we can add to it gently or ask a question that then invites them to go deeper into a particular area. So this is a continuation from the last point and I changed this one from what Coach T had, um, which he said was don't lead the conversation because I really covered that already. But I change this to meet them where they are. Meet your child where your child is. Remember that they just finished a game or a practice or a test or whatever it was. They're physically and emotionally exhausted. Maybe not physically with the test, they might be just emotionally exhausted or a long day at school. So in this case, any self-assessment and reflection may not happen at this point. Be forgiving and accepting of where your child is at that point in the day or whatever was just transpired and remember that your amazing little human just put in a lot of effort. They most likely worked very hard. And don't forget that most of the time we are our own worst critics. So your child may already be feeling frustrated or deflated about their own performance. So adding on top of that, piling on your own assessment is really not productive. It's counterproductive. And Lastly, and so important, always let your child know you love him or her. You're proud of their effort no matter the outcome of the game, the practice, the test. You may be disappointed in their outcome on the test, but you love them no matter what. You're going to work with them. You're going to help them and that you're there to be a support and a part of a team to help them get to where they'd like to go the next time. I also forgot to mention earlier that I've added a link to our sponsor's Amazon page on the page for this episode on my website at yourvillageonline.com podcast confident kids. So be sure to check them out for clean, easy application of all your diaper and other healing ointment and cream needs. Now, Stephanie had another question in her original email to me that I will have to cover next week, along with another new question. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.